1: Welcome back to the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. I'm Jim Hacking.
2: And I'm Tyson Mutrix. What's up, Jimmy?
1: I'm reporting live from Des Moines, Iowa. I think Becca used to live here in Des Moines, I actually was somewhere in Iowa. Two games in on a long tournament for the Nornator. They are 0-2 so far. They've got their brains beat in the first game. and the second game, they played pretty well, and then they had that notorious one bad inning.
2: It'll get you, you know, it may not be that long of a tournament if they keep losing, so that might be a good thing for you.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's fun when they win, but we've been out of the house a lot lately, so there's that too.
2: Absolutely. Well, let's jump right in, Jimbo. And our guest today is Guild member, Rob Shank. What's going on, Rob? It's going very well. Thank you, gentlemen. How are you guys? Fantastic.
1: Great. Let me go ahead and give a quick bio for you for all of our listeners. Rob Shank represents families of those injured or killed in nursing homes all across Georgia since 2017. Rob has been the host of the Nursing Home Abuse Podcast a video podcast dedicated to educating residents of
2: long term care facilities. Rob, thanks for joining us. Thank you so much again. Been looking forward to this for a while. I actually have too as well, Rob. But I, I want to hear you know this. I always ask people to, you know, talk about their journey and how they got to where they are, but give us the details and give us the dirty. Like what led you to joining the guild, right? Like what was it that led you to join the guild? What in your journey led you to that? I think that it's probably the same journey
3: as a lot of the guild members. I was and still continue to be spinning many plates. And every time I hear a podcast, I go to the next shiny thing and wasn't accomplishing anything. And I just needed a place where I could hear fresh ideas, get good ideas, and have people that would be a sounding board. So just people that kind of in my situation and just get feedback from them and and, and learn from them. That's kind of that was what precipitated. And I I knew a few people, I think Ryan Locke was the one that, that was like, Hey, you should you should check it out. So but I'd been a longtime listener of the podcast itself for a long time. So,
1: Well, let's go, let's go all the way back. Talk to us about when you graduated law school, what happened career-wise up until you sort of started your own firm? I graduated from Georgia State
3: in Atlanta in 08. Went to work at an international business firm that's kind of based in Paris. Did kind of cool business transactional business litigation stuff for a couple of years, but realized that I wanted to be my own boss. I wanted to be able to be the one that picks what the printer is going to be, you know, that makes all the say-so of what the website's going to look like, what I want to do, that kind of thing. But originally, I, I because of the experience that I had at that firm, I started off as business litigation, so breach of contract stuff. But it was too difficult for me because I might have a case in which I have to learn about how companies sell debt to one another because I'm suing somebody about a breach of contract and debt selling. And then the next day, I'm trying to figure out why somebody's being sued Uh, In Florida for uh, failure to build a metal staircase correctly with whatever welding materials he had. I was, I was taking on too many things. And so after a little bit, I started doing personal injury because I wanted to get court time. And I felt like that would allow me to focus on kind of just injury work as opposed to having to come to work every day and learn a new industry. And then at some point, I paired up where I was sharing expenses, but not profit with another individual we finally ended up partnering together and then doing all types of injury work. And then at some point we niched down into nursing homework and that partnership, and which it continued to. And then at the end of 2021, beginning of 2022, that partnership dissolved. We separated and I've been solo still just doing nursing homework since then. I've been really doing nursing homework only since about 2017.
2: All right, so there's a lot of good juicy nuggets in there that I want to ask you about, but I want to start, though, with the decision to get rid of the injury stuff except for the nursing home, which for many firms is a very difficult thing to do. can be painful even. What was that decision like? To me, it was not a decision. It had to be done for the exact same
3: reason that I had so much stress at the beginning of my career with the business litigation it was difficult one day to figure out how uninsured motorist coverage would stack on liability coverage one day and the next day, try to figure out how to get surveillance camera footage from the Kroger for a slip and fall case the next day, et cetera. So I knew that we had to do something. It just so happened that my partner was a CNA in nursing homes for 10 years. So he had kind of inside knowledge of how that industry worked. We got a couple of cases just Fortuitously at the beginning of that injury career, we did well on them. So it was kind of like if we're going to pick something trucking, slip and falls, negligent security, I think nursing home is as good as any. It's a great cause. Like it makes you feel good at night to having done that as opposed to some other areas. So we knew we had a niche down. It just so happened that the kind of the forces aligned us to the nursing home industry.
1: So how did that partnership go? And then what was sort of I don't know how much you want to get into it, but what was sort of the decision making to go out solo, solo? Sure. I mean, he's still like my brother. I mean, like we're great
3: friends. We have a great friendship. We had a great partnership. I think that the issue for us was that we're so similar that it seems to me that when two people that are so similar are together, the strengths are exponentially increased and the weaknesses are exponentially increased and our weaknesses Just It seemed as though we were never able to get to a next level and we were spinning our wheels in certain areas. And so with my own issue, like with with my wife, we might need to relocate and things like that. So it just seemed to me that it would be better to see if we could do it ourselves. And so that was kind of the impetus in a lot of ways for the dissolution of the company, but we're still on great terms. The Atlanta legal community to the extent that we're known at all, it still kind of associates us together. Like we're still great friends. It's It wasn't, there was no animus. It was completely amicable.
1: Are you both still doing the same practice area? Are You're both still doing nursing home litigation, or did he take something else? He continues to do
3: nursing home, but he also is bringing on other, to my knowledge, he's bringing on other injury practice as well. So he kind of broadened back out.
2: All right. So in 2020, you have this reset. I think you said 2020 ish, right around there. What was it like going out on your own and being able to reset? Everything, because you had gone through this process. Jim's had a partnership before. I've had a partnership before. You all you kind of go through this process where you try to kind of meld together, and then next thing you know, you're you're separating. But it it is a really good opportunity for a reset. So, what was that like, and how has it gone so far? I feel like this time you're a little bit more road
3: wise. I don't know if you've guessed the word road weary. Plus wise, I don't know. So that the problems weren't as shiny. Like when you do it the first time, it's like, oh, awesome. Let's go get a printer. Like, or hey, this is awesome. Like, let's get a laptop and, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's fresh and new and it's it's fun, even though it's sometimes can be tedious. This time it's like, okay, I got to do all this again. And it was kind of a bummer. But I know that there's still light at the end of the tunnel for me. So that's that's kind of what got me through the initial process of like, all right, now I got to do this thing again or start this thing over, or start this thing over. There was, there's still an objective to move towards. So it was an okay process. It wasn't too bad. That's kind of how I approached it. I think I myself, and I'm I'm not sure, like, you know, but I was also already going through issues anyway, which thankfully to you two, I can plug the Maxim Law Guild that helped me through a, a lot of issues as well to get through that hump.
1: I think a lot of people like the idea of a second chance of sort of resetting things. I think they get sort of excited about looking at something in a new way and i'm wondering rob if you remember any of the things that you were like hell yes i'm keeping this and hell no i'm getting rid of that so i think for me
3: it's there was a mindset of wh- when i was with a person you're thinking in the idea of we need to have a system because you know if we have a an assistant or a paralegal or whatever they have to understand that it's one process even though there's two people and we never achieved that in reality uh, with our processes so with this, with being on my own, now I have more than one person. So even though it's not another attorney, I still have to have processes that everybody understands no matter who's got the assignment or where it's going, there's one way to do things. And so that's got me breathing a sigh of relief. I'm developing one process for all these tasks. So that's kind of something that I'm happy about with the transition. That that answered the question? I don't know. I think I forgot the question towards the end of it. You got it.
2: So what are the things that you feel that you're
3: struggling with these days? Initially, I was struggling with the mindset. I was doing a lot of negative talk, a lot of toxic talk, a lot of anxiety, a lot of stress, a lot. And so the help of the guild, I watched a lot of the Jason Selk talk, did a lot of the, you know, the relentless solution focus, got through that hurdle, got through the initial crunch because I was at a money crunch as well. So it was the mindset and money crunch were my two greatest hurdles at the time, which was interesting because At the time I joined the guild, I didn't know that mindset was a problem. Like I I was one of those people that's like, whatever, I just crush it, the anxiety with my mind vice, which was, which is not working for me. And it was causing me to, you know, not be as productive as I should have been. So the money crunch mindset I worked on. And after about eight or nine months, almost a year, I think I'm in a better place in both of those. I have the finances are working out for me. So it's allowed me to kind of not necessarily let off the gas, but it's allowed me to focus a little bit more on these other things. And so what I'm seeing now, at least I don't know what I don't know, but I feel like my problem now is systems. And I feel like I'm when a case comes in, I have all the operations. I have all the processes. It's how you take from the case from one, stage one to stage five, but there's no set person. It doesn't auto-populate in terms of like, these are the due dates for everything. So I have to literally check every case periodically to move different tasks forward. So I don't know what that's called, but that's what I feel like is a huge drain on me that could easily be solved, but I just don't know how to do it.
0: Are you ready to unlock your full growth potential both professionally and personally? The Guild Maximum Lawyers exclusive community of legal entrepreneurs invites you to our upcoming in-person mastermind event in Miami, Florida. There's something truly extraordinary about the breakthroughs that occur when you're physically present, working through your business and mindset challenges in real time. By attending our mastermind, you'll engage in deep discussions, share experiences, and receive expert guidance from our coaches and fellow law firm owners who understand the unique challenges and opportunities within the legal industry. This collaborative atmosphere fuels creativity, accelerates problem solving, and stimulates innovative thinking. Investing in your personal and professional development through attending an in-person mastermind is an investment in yourself and in your future. The breakthroughs, knowledge, and strategies you'll acquire are priceless assets that can transform your practice and propel you towards your goals. Visit maxlawevents.com today to join the guild, reserve your spot, and secure your ticket at the best possible price.
1: You're listening to the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. Our guest today, Rob Shank, he's a nursing home warrior down in the ATL. We're glad to have him with us. Rob, talk to us about that mindset shift. And I'm interested, did the mindset shift come before the finance shift or vice versa? But what was your mindset before you had the breakthrough? And then what sort of turned you around? The
3: mindset that I had was that I'm a failure, that if I could get a settlement check in, but instead of being like, this is great for the client, this is great for my business, I'm saying to myself, this is not going to take me to the next level. This is not going to be enough to do this just a lot of being extremely hard on myself. That was the mindset. What got me through to the other side is I did a lot of journaling, thanks to Mr. Hacking giving me that advice, doing a lot of journaling, a lot of reading, coming to realize that you know it's not the outcome that matters. It's the process. It's the work that you put in every day. That's where you draw, or at least for me, what I've learned is that that's where I draw the happiness from. So, even if I were to have to shut my doors down, even if the, the firm were to close, which obviously I don't want that to happen, but if the firm were to close and I would have to go and be an employee somewhere else, or you know, somebody quits, one of my employees quits, or whatever the case is, that's gonna happen. It's how I react to that and the things that I do on a day to day basis that I draw the satisfaction from. And again, like I'm not like I haven't been to the Hill and Back. I'm still I'm still getting angry and mad and stuff, but I'm not in a place that I was. And so that's kind of what got me to the other side. And what makes me happy about that is that it's not a huge settlement check coming in and I get I get happy because of that. I'm trying to get beyond that, whether it's something good that happens or something bad that happens. I slow down and allow myself to have the rational reaction and
2: work through the things and then express that. So Rob, I just looked this up. When your hot seat was It was October 25th of last year. and October 25th, and the six-month deadline was April 25th. You were really hard on yourself. To see the transformation between then and today is quite amazing. So kudos to you for putting in that work. Like You put in the work. That's amazing. There's a line in your pre-show questionnaire that I want to read out. And the question is this. If listeners only learn one thing from your interview, what would you want it to be? And you write simply... Don't give up. Where does that come from? Because that's powerful. I think it comes from Winston Churchill, isn't that right? Like where that's the Well, I'll talk about internally Not from you. Just...
3: No, I get you. I get you. No. So from October twenty fifth of twenty twenty two to April twenty-fifth of twenty twenty three, that was a crunch time for me. I had to do a lot of soul searching. And so there were times in which I would just I would say to myself, I'm just gonna refer out all my cases. I'm gonna get out of this. I can't handle this. And I would journal that. And then I would sit on it for a few days and then, you know, this too shall pass. And so that happened a couple of times. And if I would have gone with that automatic reaction to an obstacle, to bad news, I wouldn't have a firm. I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you. So that's where the don't give up comes from. So there were times where that's about as close in the 15 years that I've almost been out on my own that I've come to just, you know, taking the shingle down and going to working for somebody.
1: In the seven years or so that Tyson and I have been putting out our podcast, we have not met too many attorneys who have their own podcast. I would say it's very, very few. Out of the 350 people we interviewed, I'd say it's less than 15. So talk to us about how you use your podcast in your overall marketing scheme and sort of how it has worked for you. So I started with the idea
3: of who was the podcast for. So I wanted to make the podcast for the actual person who has a loved one in a nursing home, as opposed to making it for other attorneys or whatever. I wanted it to be, if somebody needed to know how to order a private autopsy, for example, after their loved one had died from a nursing home, they could search that on Google, find that there's a podcast about that and listen to it. And so that's kind of how I, I approach it. So it's not episodic. Like, it's not like I'm trying to build an audience. I don't care about an audience. I only want each episode to, to stand alone for a specific instance of, that one of my clients is going through, whether or not they want to know what to say at a care plan meeting or why pressure injuries keep coming back. There's an episode for that. And so that's kind of how I've approached it from a content standpoint and from a marketing standpoint. You Google a question, and that podcast is going to come up, and you're going to see my website. The transcript is on there. It's got links to everything that we've talked about, all the the whole shebang. And that's been very beneficial for me. I've learned a lot because, I mean, I don't know, I don't know anything. So, like, you have professionals on. Um, we were weekly, that got to be too much. And Then we were we were twice a month. We've been on hiatus for a while because of the dissolution of the firm, but about to start it up again. But it's
2: been very helpful to me in learning my industry better. Let me ask you, um, for my last question, uh, let me ask you about you're remote and you've worked in person before, but you're remote now. And I and I have noticed sort of a trend where people seem to be going back towards it, getting into the office. And I wonder if you will, if you think you'll stay remote into the future or, or you, if you think you'll return. I hope to stay remote forever,
3: unless a client wants to see me, which is fair. I mean, obviously i got to show up for court appearances, but I don't know. There's something there about me that work is work and your life is your life. And so like, I want to give the benefit of my employees that like, Hey, as long as you're getting your work done, get it done. And you can spend that time with you however you want to do it. I don't know, like go to the tracks, spend time with your family, whatever you want to do. That's kind of how I approach it. Like I don't, I see the benefits of having people all around a water cooler and talking and, and doing those type of things. But I don't know. I like the freedom to be able to do what you want. And I think that you get that from remote. That's that's just that's just me though. I could see both sides of that.
1: You talked earlier about the discomfort that you felt having to learn new things every other day and being in completely different fields of inquiry and lawsuit types and all that stuff. Talk to us about what the benefit has been for you to be focused solely on nursing home litigation, not so much from a, a referability, but more from a developing an expertise standpoint.
3: I love it. I wouldn't change it for the world. So, I mean, you could imagine like any area of law, you could go down the rabbit hole as long as you wanted to. So with nursing, it was no different. So one day I might be spending time trying to understand the difference between choking to death and aspirating to death. And then the next day I'm trying to figure out how long it takes to develop a pressure injury. But these are all things that are kind of just more closely related than than two disparate areas of law. On top of the fact that nursing homes are regulated both from the federal level and the state level. So you have sometimes competing regulations. So you're keeping abreast of those things on top of the, the legal skills as well. So the fact that I can just spend my time learning that one area, I mean, it just makes me feel much better and I feel like I'm a better attorney
2: for it. I love the fact that you've niched down so much David Terry another guild member he's niched down to completely nursing out I think it's just fantastic it makes it so you're you're so much more referral I think it's just great but um we do need to wrap things up before I do I want to remind everyone to join us in the guild with great people like Rob go to maxlawguild.com. if you're not ready for the guild join us in the big Facebook group just search maximum lawyer in Facebook and you'll find us a lot of great information being shared there every day and Just to help spread the love, if you don't mind giving us a five-star review, if you're getting something from this podcast, we would greatly appreciate it. Jimmy, what's your hack of the week?
1: I read this great book. It's called Be Quick, But Don't Hurry. It's by somebody who was a student athlete for John Wooden. And in there, he talked about time he spent with Coach Wooden much after his playing career had ended. And I have been on sort of a gratitude tour. Of going to former mentors and taking them out to lunch. I had lunch with my favorite English teacher, who was also my advisor during high school. I had lunch with my old student activities board advisor from St. Louis University. I'm going to take out some old lawyer mentor friends. And it's really powerful. Um, Each time I've gotten into the car after those lunches, I've said to myself, man, that was good for my soul. Like that, just like that, having that reconnection to who I was and to see where I am now, it was just really, really powerful. And the other thing is, it was really appreciated by the people that I reached out to, to just say thanks. And they were all a little bit nervous. They're all like, "Something wrong. Do you get...? My English teacher said, Jim, usually when I have a lunch like this, it's because somebody has cancer. So um, I'm glad you don't have cancer. So highly recommend a gratitude tour for the people in your past who've helped elevate you.
2: Oh my gosh. That's great. That's a wonderful idea. I really like that. That's good. All right, Rob, we always ask our guests to give a tip or hack of the week. What you got for us? My hack of the week is probably
3: something that's been mentioned on this podcast before, but I've been reading a lot of books lately. And the thing that's really helped me is having a, I think what's called a commonplace book. So as I'm reading, I'll jot down the notes or a star something that I like, underline it, but it gets captured in a book, just a small book that I keep with me all the time. And then- even through that process, I synthesize it and it goes into one kind of hardback book that I've got with me that, that's basically a hard drive for my brain because I've found that even through journaling that I'm forgetting things. Like I'll, I'll think of something for the first time 10 times, even in a six-month period. So having that commonplace book as a repository of what I've learned in these books has been very beneficial to me.
2: I like it. Jim, I don't think we had that tip before, so I think you might be the first. Okay, very good. Awesome. Well, for my tip of the week, it's something that I guarantee that Jimbo is probably going to be skeptical of, but many people are going to be skeptical of because we're all lawyers. But we implemented something from the book, A World Without Email by Cal Newport, and it's been going on for, for about a month or so. I think we're right around a month, and it's office hours. And so you don't send any messages throughout the day. Like, so a lot of people use Slack, right? We use Click, which is a, an equivalent to Slack. And before we, like people were messaging all day and it was just a flood of messages and things get kind of lost in the shuffle. But now if you need to send a message, you wait until the, the person's office hours, like minor Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 2.45. So 2.45 2 to 3. So just 15 minutes. The default is you want to actually not send a message. You actually want to make a phone call or you do a video message to them or a video call. And that way you can get the context of what's going on instead of just sending a message. So you want to prioritize, you know, actually calling instead of sending a message. But that's what we've been doing. So everyone in the firm has office hours. And if you need to speak to someone, you go to them during their office hours. And it is reduced. At least I'll tell you, my stress has gone down quite a bit. The number of messages I get is basically non-existent for the most part. It seems to be working pretty well. So tip is office hours. It's I think it's a great, it's actually really great for stress. I can tell you that because instead of getting messages all day, your time you handle those things at that time and you really don't get many because usually what happens is people the whatever the question is or whatever the, the issue is it resolves itself because they kind of figure it out so it's it's actually a really cool thing so highly recommend it but Rob thank you again for coming on and like I said before amazing work that you've done just to change your mindset awesome stuff and just love having you in the guild and love having you on the show thank you so much guys thanks buddy keep it up see you Rob good job buddy.